Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now, on Wednesday of this week, an amendment to the Courts and Civil Law Miscellaneous Provisions Bill 2022 was approved. The amendment was discussed and debated in the Dáil with very strong representations made against the passing of the bill. However, as I said there, it was passed. The amendment in question is 26A and I'm joined now by Flora O'Shea who is the Head of Legal Affairs at the Data Protection Commission uh, to talk about what this amendment is and why the debate around it both in the Dáil and online has been so heated. Uh, Flora, you're very welcome to the show. Can you just start by explaining what 26A entails? Yes, it's basically it's, it's an amendment to the existing Data Protection Act 2018 and it's it's quite simple actually in terms of its impact. Um, so just to explain um, part of what we do, obviously everyone's familiar with the fact that we investigate potential infringements of the GDPR and we carry out investigations and produce a decision. Um, while that will always involve a respondent that's being uh, under, that, that's under examination, from time to time we will have another party that will be joined to the process. So for example, a complainant where we have a complaint-based inquiry. But there may be also um, other parties that will have an interest, <clears throat> excuse me, in the outcome of the process. And from time to time, the, the DPC will consider it necessary to involve those parties as an interested party. So where we have other parties involved in an inquiry, it's important for them to be able to share their views with us as the as the matter is progressing, as the process develops, as we collect in information and as we start to outline and formulate our thoughts on the matter. So in order for those parties to be able to share their views with us, we need to be able to share information and material with them so that they can understand our thinking, they can understand what we're, what, what we're collating in terms of the information. So this is the key point. Uh, the, the amendment in question, it, it has been misunderstood as being something equivalent to a gagging or, or a locking down, it's actually quite the opposite. It is designed to facilitate the sharing of information with other parties. So we have had uh, issues in the past in terms of when we want to share material with other parties, we would write to them in advance and just explain what we would like to do. And we explain that uh, prior to our sharing the material with them, we would like them to confirm that they will treat it as confidential and not disclose it for the remained, remaining time of the, of the decision-making process. And where they disagree with that, where they are not willing to prepare to provide that confirmation, it leaves us in, a, in an impossible situation. We want to involve them, we want to know their thinking, but we can't actually provide them with the material because they won't, they won't agree not to disclose it prior to the, the decision-making process being concluded. So this amendment is designed to shortcut that uh, engagement. It simply allows the DPC in a limited range of circumstances to write out to an individual and to say to them, we are going to share material with you. We have designated this as being confidential and you are therefore not permitted to disclose this outside of the process. Um, for you know, until such time as, as the decision has been concluded, um, it, there's there's nothing more to it, Jess, than that. And as I said, it's it's really designed to facilitate the sharing of information and for that to be done in a safe way and in a way that respects the integrity of the inquiry and decision making process. 
who decides what aspects will be deemed confidential? That will be the, the commission, Jess. So the the text of the amendment itself is actually very simple. Uh, I know it's two pages in length, but its formulation is very, very simple. So there are, a, there are three circumstances in which the, the Data Protection Commission is entitled to designate information as being confidential. So the first is where it's commercially sensitive in nature. There's nothing new about that. That entitlement already exists. In fact, the obligation to protect confidential information already exists and is recognised in Irish and EU law. The second circumstance is where the DPC considers that the possible disclosure of the information could uh, risk or imperil the effectiveness of the function that's being exercised. And bear in mind that the amendment is only applicable to a very limited range of the DPC's functions. So it's just important to remember that this is not a broad blanket. The DPC is, can or will label everything as confidential. It, it will literally be something to be assessed on a case-by-case -case basis, so specific material for a specific reason. Um, and then the, the, I suppose the important thing to remember is that where we do designate information as being confidential for, you know, because it, the publication may imperil the effective delivery of a, of a particular function, that is time limited. That's clearly set out in the text of Section 26A as well. So it's, it's not a forever position. It literally is just designed to address the risk that is foreseen by the DPC when it carries out its assessment. I mentioned there that I watched the Dáil debate uh, during the week and some of the quotes that I wrote down on my little notebook here beside me that were said by um, TDs and I just want to, I'm going to just read a few of them and then I'll give you an opportunity to reply. But things like, you know, this is going to have an impact on democratic oversight. Uh, it's a, a free pass for big tech. It's a threat to free speech. And it also calls into question the transparency around the workings of the Data Protection Commission. What would you say to, to, to those quotes that were taken from the Dáil debate? Yes, I, I listened to the debate myself and I have to say, Jess, I found it perplexing and a bit depressing, to be honest. There's, I don't understand really how anyone could perceive those risks to arise from this amendment. In the first place, it's not going to impact on, on transparency. All it is doing is protecting the integrity of a, a decision-making process. And bear in mind, that's an entirely normal position. If you think, I mean, we'll all be familiar with the, you know, the high-profile jury trials that take place in Ireland from time to time. The jury is always protected from any discussions that might be taking place in the media about what's, what's being introduced in court on any given day. And that is to make sure that there is no perception that the jury might be subject to undue interference in terms of its, its thinking and the, the, the decision that it has to make. So in terms of transparency, I, I would consider that the DPC it is very transparent in its dealings. It's, it's important to remember that our decisions, the decisions that we produce at the end of the day, they are very lengthy. We have been criticized, um, in fact, that, that they are too long. But the reason why they are as long as they are is that we want to clearly set out exactly what we, what we examined, exactly what we discovered, what the parties had to say, our thinking, our decision, and the reasons for that. 
that information is shared with our counterpart supervisory authorities, all of the, the, the draft decision in, in all its detail. I'm not aware of any other supervisory authority that is preparing and presenting decisions in the level of detail that the DPC is. Furthermore, I mean, I'm conscious that uh, we, we also provide bi-monthly updates to the EDPB in terms of the, the inquiries that we have ongoing. There was a recent complaint made to the uh, European Ombudsperson in terms of the European Commission's oversight, the manner in which the Commission was uh, monitoring what the DPC was producing. And pursuant to that complaint, the European Ombudsperson actually confirmed uh, and agreed that the, the, the information that's being provided by the DPC by way of those bi-monthly updates is, is equivalent to best practice and actually made a further recommendation that the Commission should be seeking that same information from all other supervisory authorities. I mean, furthermore, we're I mean, we're, all, we're always available in terms of dealing with media queries. I know you'll be familiar with our, our Director of Communications. We're regularly out there speaking about what we do. We have a very detailed um, annual report that we publish every year. We're, we're publishing everything on our website. There is nothing that's being hidden. So I, it, it concerns me that people perceive that there is an issue with transparency. There, there's absolutely no issue as far as I'm concerned. And as I said before, this is, this is not a gagging provision. It is designed to facilitate the actual sharing of information by the DPC with the parties that need to receive it. Um, it there's, there's nothing in it that stops anyone from, from discussing their own complaint, from, from criticizing the DPC publicly if that's what they wish to do. There is nothing in it that will stop a journalist from writing about the DPC, from writing about our performance. It's simply not there in the text. So I, I was very disappointed when I heard those um, concerns being expressed the other evening. I'm not sure where they're coming from, but I, I, I cannot see how the, the, the amendment will have any impact on what we're doing other than to just introduce a safeguard into just limited aspects of what we do. I wonder, and again, this might be a stupid question, but um, is it akin to like Gardaí? So as soon as uh, something happens, if the guards are involved, they'll say, if I send an, a, a press query, they'll come back and say they can't comment on an ongoing investigation or they can't comment on an individual individual case. Is this an equivalent of that in some way in that you're just asking for no commentary from parties involved while an investigation is ongoing? And then at the conclusion of an investigation, discussion then can be as open as you like. That's a really good way of putting it, Jess, and that's exactly it. We're all familiar with the old adage that justice must be seen to be done. What we have in terms of our uh, inquiry and decision-making processes, they are quite drawn out in terms of how long it takes to conclude them. That's necessitated by the, the process itself, also by the decision-making process that there's a particular cooperation mechanism that has been provided to us by the European legislator in the form of Article 60 of the GDPR. But it means that when we get to the end stage of, of an inquiry, it's going to take a number of months to conclude because we have to engage um, with our counterpart supervisory authorities. So it's just important that there is no risk of it being perceived that as a result of material being published or otherwise leaked, 
and made subject to public commentary, that there is no risk of it being perceived that the decision was, was somehow influenced by those external forces. Because obviously that would be, uh, that would give rise to potential unfairness in terms of the outcome of the process for the respondent concerned. So what you've described is, is exactly it. It is literally just to ensure that the process is pure, that the matters that formed the basis for the final decision were the matters that have been shared with all parties, that the respondent in particular has been afforded its right to be heard on it, and that there is no risk of anyone being able to suggest afterwards that actually that, that, that document having been released, you know, there having been widespread discussion on what it means, there's no risk that that commentary could have been, I suppose, able to bear influence on, on the decision prior to it being made. Mm. I suppose the thing that I'm still kind of scratching my head on is, is just the the nature and the tone of the comments made in the doll, and then obviously there, there are high profile figures um, who often engage with the DPC who were sort of live tweeting and commentating the entire time and, and still today a- about this. They, they seem like they're referring to it as a gagging order. How, like, where do you think this misconception, as you call it, or as you're suggesting it is, where do you think that that it's come from? And what can be done to try and, I suppose, emphasise the, the simplicity of it, as you've outlined for us here today? Well, to be honest, I, I don't know where it's coming from, because as, as I've said to you, the text, to me, is very straightforward. It's a very simple formulation in Section 26A, and it is very limited in terms of how it will be applied. It's not blanket. The DPC is not entitled to apply it in the context of all its functions, and the DPC is not entitled to, to, to just apply within a particular function a blanket approach. It's very limited in every respect. I suppose what perplexes me the most about this perception of it being a gagging order, this is not a unique provision. This has not been uh, invented or created or introduced specifically for the DPC. The similar limitations or restrictions are available in other pieces of legislation. So, for example, in Ireland, there are similar confidentiality provisions that are available to the Office of the Information Commissioner. Similarly, there's a a similar uh, confidentiality provision in terms of draft reports that's in the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission Act. But beyond that, even looking at outside of Ireland, in European law terms, this already exists as, I mean, if you look at, I suppose, what we look to, we're obviously within the GDPR, we've had to imagine how, you know, we have to operate and we always look to the European Commission in the context of its regulating um, pursuant to the competition law legislation, it also has a similar uh, position as regards the sharing of confidential information. In fact, its position is is quite clear and restrictive. It does not share confidential information. Um, and I suppose as well, I mean, when you look to the high bar in terms of a piece of legislation that is actually designed to facilitate access to material, if we look at the EU 2001 access regulations, that's designed to enable any individual to write to an EU institution to ask them to provide it with with records. It's it's the ultimate in a a transparency mechanism. And even in that regulation, 
there are limited exemptions to the obligation to release material. And those exemptions are, they match exactly the, 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 the limitations set out in section 26A. So I suppose there's, what I read through the, the criticism and the concerns is this potential perception that Ireland is somehow an outlier, that this is somehow an, an exceptional measure, that it doesn't exist anywhere else. And that's, that's just not correct. Um, and I, I'm not sure where that misunderstanding comes from. And in terms of correcting the position and I suppose allaying concerns, all I can hope is that once we start to apply this, that it will become clear that it's, it's, it's not at all a gagging provision. It literally is just designed to protect the integrity of our processes. Um, I think you might have answered this already, but again, just for my own uh, sense of clarity, who or, or will anybody outside of DPC audit the use of Section 26A in terms of assessing whether something was proportionately imposed or was, you know, justifiably imposed, I suppose? That is not provided for within the uh, within the provision itself, Jess. Um, in terms of, I suppose, the safeguards, you'll note within the text of, our, of Section 26A, there is a requirement for the DPC to write to any person that it wants to share material with to actually identify um, that the information is, has been deemed confidential and the reasons why. And in providing the individual concerned with that information, that affords them transparency in terms of the DPC's position on it. And it affords them the opportunity, if they wish, to engage with us further on it, to challenge it. But again, I would hope that it will become apparent once it starts to be used, how limited it actually is, and that it is, it is literally a practical mechanism. It's a protection only. Um, and that it's not otherwise going to stop anyone from doing what they might already be doing. The only thing you can't do is to publish or disclose to the world at large material that we share with you in the context of a particular function while that function is ongoing. Flourishay from the Data Protection Commission, thanks so much for joining us here on Newstalk. Thank you, Jess. That was Fleur O'Shea, Head of Legal Affairs at the DPC. Now, when we come back here on News Talk, we'll hear about the changing trends in the world of cybersecurity over the past two decades.